this morning, and uh, I'm glad we can all be together. And honestly, every Sunday, I absolutely love being able to look out and see who's here. I love seeing each one of you. You are so precious to me. And so just know that it's, it's an honor to be able to, to be here with you guys. Well, let's pray before we get started. Father, I thank you. I thank you that your word is, is such a gift. It truly is a gift. And without it, uh, we would be lost. You, you have given us the ability to find our way in this world uh, with your Holy Spirit and with the word of God. And thank you. Thank you for not leaving us and just kind of chucking us out in the world and saying, figure it out. But you've given us such clear, clear guidance and clear instruction. And not just that, but like Jeff said, a helper to help us understand the word and to show us how to live, who is right with us at all times. And so God, I pray that as we dig into the word this morning, that we would have open hearts. Lord, that we would let you put your finger on areas where we need to grow. God, that you would encourage us and cheer us on, because I know you are, and uh, that we would feel empowered as we leave here to live the life that you've asked us to. I ask this in your name. Amen. Well, the last few weeks, we've been talking about trusting scripture, and we talked about what is the Bible, what is it about, you know, who is the hero of the Bible, which is obviously Jesus. And today, we are going to talk about how does the Bible help us live like Jesus. Now, we say it specifically not just like live a good life or, you know, have healing or things like that. Specifically live like Jesus uh, for this very reason. There's a quote that says it beautifully because if we, if we take it and just make it whatever we want, we miss it. So there's a quote by Tim uh, and Josh Byers, and it says this. The Bible is a glorious and powerful book. Yet the Bible can be used in dangerous ways. Many today use the Bible as a self-help book meant to pump up our self-esteem. Others use the Bible today and throughout history for their power or political agenda. Or perhaps more commonly, some religious leaders hold the Bible merely as a set of rules meant to guide our lives. And this is true, isn't it? I think we're all actually tempted sometimes to go in this direction. And so this is why we're leaning into it. How does the Bible teach us to live like Jesus or help us to live like Jesus and not just live a good life? Because Jesus is the ultimate example, is he not? All right, so as mentioned over the past several weeks, the whole Bible is God's story of relationship with us. It shows us who God is over and over. If you go from front to back, you see the character of God and you see it consistently. And as we read, we can get to know God so well. Who is he? What is he like? How does he think? What does he think of you and I? You know, what's important to him? How would he react in certain situations? What is his heart? How does he feel about the whole world? There's so much we get to learn about the Bible, and we need to dig into the Bible to get to know God. Think about it. As you read the stories of Jesus, how many times does Jesus react to a situation differently than we would expect? Differently than we would have anticipated or we ourselves would have done. There's a temptation for all of us to make the Bible fit the context of our own lives rather than allowing it to transform us or lead us by the understanding of the Holy Spirit. Letting the Bible change us and challenge us is uncomfortable, 
And it's extremely messy a lot of times, isn't it? It's not nice and neat. It doesn't fit in a box. And it's going to challenge us beyond anything we face here on earth. If we truly let it lean in, if we truly let the word of God lean in and teach us to live like Jesus, it should be the most challenging thing that we actually navigate. Reading about Jesus' life should make us stop and think. It should actually cause wrestle in our lives. It will come with tension in our lives and moments where we don't understand what God's asking and actually where we may be tempted to not want to understand because we know it's calling us into something that we may not really like or feel comfortable with. This is something Jesus was navigating often with religious leaders and even his followers. And at one point, there were some religious leaders challenging him and trying to trap him. And this is what he said to them. In John 5, 39, he said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is there, oh, sorry, and it is they that bear witness about me. So he's saying, you look into the scriptures looking for eternal life, you think the answer's there, and it absolutely is, but I'm the answer that you're looking for. It points to me. And he knew that they wanted eternal life, that they were searching for it, and they knew, he knew that they knew it was in the scriptures, but they could not see the source, neither did they want to see it. He knew they didn't want to see it. He did not fit what they understood, and so they rejected the truth that was living and breathing in front of him. They spent more time looking for ways to trap him, to grumble about him, to, to find out why he's wrong and not who he says he is than they did actually looking for the real truth. If they had taken the time to sit before God and really look into the word, they would have seen very clearly that he was exactly who the Bible was talking about. And there was a great tension between what he was and what they expected. And as we read the Bible and look at Jesus' life, we will inevitably find ourselves in a place of tension one that takes, that at times, will actually, we will want relief from. It will be uncomfortable. This tension between grace and truth, it can be between transformation and contentment, obedience and disobedience, conviction and condemnation. All these types of tensions, they're actually necessary. They help us grow. They are needed, but they are extremely uncomfortable and they're not a nice tidy box again like we so often want, are they? And without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we often seek to relieve this tension. We want the feeling to go away. And we often try to get it through reading the Bible through legalism or license, or sometimes both. And we miss the heart of God completely and the intention of what God is trying to say. And like the Pharisees, we will actually end up, in that case, rejecting the truth that God is trying to show us, looking for the reason why we're right. We must invite the Holy Spirit, just like we were this morning, right? When we paused and we allowed the Holy Spirit to come and rest on us, when we asked him rest on us, we have to invite the Holy Spirit into it. He must be the filter that we live and look through. Because our own personal filter is shaped by experiences or, or desires, our sin nature, culture. You wouldn't believe how much culture actually shapes 
how you view the world. If you pause and really think, you'll start to see. If you really analyze, culture shapes so much of how we see the world, how we see the word of God, how we see each other. It is so important that the Holy Spirit is the one that guides and leads us. We have to live in this place of submission before God to his understanding and his guidance. And here is actually the place where we start. This is where we start to learn how to live like Jesus. It is when we come into submission to the Holy Spirit and to God's understanding. And this is actually how Jesus lived, right? If we look in the Bible, he says, I only do what my Father tells me to do. And so for us, that would look like I only do what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. We have to live from this place of submission. Jesus didn't live from a place of legalism or license. He lived and led from a place of love and submission to the Father. And you know, isn't he the one that would have the greatest opportunity or the greatest reason to live from either one of those places? Jesus absolutely could have lived from legalism. He had perfect life. He knew the Bible completely. He is the word right? He is the word made flesh. He knew the heart and intention of every scripture. He knew every law and how to live it and was living it perfectly. He could have absolutely lived from a place of legalism, but instead he came not to condemn us, but to save us. John 3, 17 says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Again, he submitted to his father. That was God the Father sent his son Jesus to save us, and he was living that life, not legalism, here to save us, submitted to his father. Again, he could have led a play from a place of license, couldn't he? I mean, he's the king of the universe. He had every license to live however he chose. He made this world. He made every person. He had every reason to be entitled. He had every reason to demand that everybody do however he asked, whatever he asked, to live upon his wishes. And yet, instead, he came to serve us, to teach and shepherd from a place of sacrifice. Matthew 20, 28 says this, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many the ultimate example to us of how to live. There are many areas where I think all of us can look and say, you know, we feel like we may be entitled to live a certain way or think a certain way or do what we want. And we actually might even be able to find scriptures to back us in that. We may be able to look through the scriptures and say, see, see, I'm right. I can live this way. I can think this way. I am right. But we must be careful in reading scripture not to look for that, but rather to read it in humility and submission to the Holy Spirit, asking him to lead us as we read it, opening our eyes to who Jesus is and the heart of God. And what is God saying, not what do we want to get from it? What is God asking of you, not what can I get from this scripture? What can I justify in my life? Who can I judge with this? He's asking us to live like Jesus, which is so different than we're all naturally made to live. 
As we study the Bible, living like Jesus helps us reject the relief that legalism would bring. Legalism and license both kind of bring us this relief. And as we study it, living like Jesus will help us reject choosing that relief over the tension that we're living in, right? Because how many of us can feel that tension so often of living in that space of the word of God working in our lives and it's calling us to live and love differently, but it's uncomfortable. The now that we are and the not yet of who we're going to be. This is this tension and we want relief sometimes. Just be like, can't I just, you know, like not feel this for a little while? We need to reject that, and living like Jesus will help us do that. Let's look at Luke 7, 36 to 50. This is an interaction between a religious leader named Simon and Jesus, and it really highlights the truth of this tension. I'm going to read the scripture kind of broken up into portions. Um, And I want you, as I read this first portion, to kind of try and place yourself in the room as you listen to what's going on and feel what it would feel like in the room at this time. And we're gonna look at how Jesus refuses to give in to uh, and give room for legalism in the tension of the moment. So listen to this scripture. One of the Pharisees asked him, this is Jesus who he was asking, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner When she learned that he was reclining at the table of Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what kind of woman this is who was touching him for she is a sinner. Now just imagine, can you feel the tension in the room if you're sitting there? They're all sitting there ready to eat, and this woman walks in, and it's the high, like Pharisees, it's the people of power and influence, and he's sitting there, and they're ready to eat. And this woman, who everybody would have rejected based on her lifestyle, comes in, and she's crying during dinner, you know, and wiping his feet with her hair and pouring this fragrant perfume all over his feet, it would have been super awkward, super awkward, and the tension in the room would have been unbelievable. And it would have been very tempting, I'm sure, to try and make it better, you know? And I'm sure Simon must have been like, as the host, must have been like, um, how do I how do I fix this situation, you know? (laughs) I think I would have been like, "Uh uh-oh, what do I do here? And Jesus, he just sits in it. He lets it happen. And not just lets it happen, he embraces the moment. He doesn't relieve the tension and and kind of like, okay, okay, like, let's do this later. You can come see me later, you know? Like, no, he, he let it all happen right there. That would have been hard to sit in, I think. Then Jesus tells this story. And this is a story that's actually playing out right in front of them. He says this in verse 41 to 42. He says, a certain moneylender had two debtors, one who owed 500 denarii and another 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. 
Now, which of them will love him more? And this is verse 47. It says, therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. He just put into a little analogy exactly what's happening in that scenario. Legalism, which is something that Simon was dealing with, he's sitting there going like, she doesn't belong here. How could she be touching him? She's done all these things. She does not fit. Legalism blinds us to where God is at work. Simon, the Pharisee, his legalism caused him to be blind to his own equal need of forgiveness. He needed forgiveness just as much as she did, but he couldn't see that they were on equal playing field before God. He couldn't see that. He couldn't see that at all. Legalism removes tension by creating this distorted us versus them groupings. It causes us to make these nice tidy boxes to fit everyone and everything in and try to keep everything in a clean, easy categories. You know, rather than looking for the Holy Spirit to lead us, we want to be like, okay, you belong here, you belong here, this belongs here, this action belongs here. It's clean, straightforward, tidy, done. Right? Rather than allowing for process and growth and tension of redemption, conviction and hope in the midst of brokenness and hurt and struggle, it wants it all neatly tidied and categorized. I have to say, it can be easy to want to go there. It can be easy to want to make life neat and tidy. Don't we? Don't we want to make life fit into boxes that make sense? And I mean, we have whole shows on life being in boxes and organized by color, and it's a temptation, I think, for all of us. Nestled, oh, sorry, because of legalism, Simon could not see how God was at work, both in her and in him. He allowed the legalism to rip the tension out of his own life and what God was asking for from him. Nestled in this same story is the other side of the same issue here. Now, as we study the Bible, living like Jesus also helps us reveal the relief that license could bring. Not just, not just, um, sorry, license brings relief just like legalism does. They're kind of two sides of the same coin. Sometimes we want the Bible to say what we want it to say. Sometimes we sit down and we flip it open and we're like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." and we may feel a little prick about what it's saying, but we're like, I'm sure it's fine, because look, it says this here, so it's fine, I'm good. And we ignore what the Holy Spirit's doing because we, you know, give license to ourselves based on something else that we read. This is because we just want to do what we want to do, don't we? One of my kids growing up, I would be like, you know, why? Why are we, you know, why are we struggling here? And they'd be like, they were like three Mom, I just want to do what I want to do. And isn't that human nature in a nutshell? Isn't that what we all wrestle with? I just want to do what I want to do. I don't want someone to tell me I can't, so I'm going to look for every reason why I can. So let's jump back in the story and take a look at 40, verses 43 to 46. As we shared, you know, Simon, uh, Jesus asked Simon, which one will love him more? Now let's see Simon's response. 
Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. Now let's look at the second question that Jesus asks Simon the Pharisee. He then turns toward the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, which was standard. You should have water there for them to clean their feet after being out. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss to greet me. But from the time she came in, she has not ceased kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with ointment. Now we can see Simon's legalism has caused him not to be able to see her clearly. All he's seeing is sin, rejection, she doesn't belong. He's not seeing the woman sitting in front of him. Have you ever found this yourself? Sometimes you see somebody or know somebody or know something about somebody and that's all you can see. And we feel like we're not them and we can judge them based on their actions, but Jesus said that's actually not okay. We actually can't. We can say the actions are wrong, but we actually can't put them in a whole other category from ourselves because somehow what they've done separates them from us. It's actually all of us separated from God, isn't it? Yeah. So we can see Simon, and he felt justified in judging her and rejecting her. He was like, she doesn't belong here. But not only that, he then in turn is also judging Jesus. He feels justified. He's like, you don't belong. I'm a Pharisee. You're a sinner. We should not be in the same place. He felt he had a license to do so based on his understanding of the word of God. And he could find scriptures to back himself in this thinking. Based on her sin and his standing as a Pharisee, he could find scriptures to say he was right and judging her. And seeing these things gave him relief. It gave him relief from the tension of having to figure out what to do with the situation, and it gave him relief from having to change anything in himself. That's what judging does often. We can sit there and say, and all the things that we get convicted of, we can kind of ignore it, and just judge because it gives us this relief of the tension rather than, like I said earlier, in the tension, allowing God to show us what's inside ourselves in that moment. So here we see that Jesus, though, he leans into the tension. He sees everyone clearly, both Simon and this woman, and he challenges Simon to do the same. Remember, he says, do you see this woman? He challenges him to lean into the tension. He takes the tension and points to what it highlights in each of them, the woman's brokenness and humility. And Simon's legalism and license are both highlighted right here. Even if nobody could hear his own internal thoughts, Jesus knew what was going on. So in verse 47 here, which we've always said, but I'm going to repeat, is so essential. It says, therefore I tell you, Her sin, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. He's just highlighting the tension there, isn't he? 
license and legalism, they tidy things up really nicely. They really do. They make everything kind of fit nicely into our lives. They give us control over things rather than allowing the Bible to transform us into being more like Christ. We look to make Christ more like us in that moment that we're reaching to those two things. But as you can tell within the tension of this story, Jesus actually doesn't fit into the places that we try to fit him in. He doesn't fit in boxes. He doesn't. We must allow ourselves to be molded by him, not try and mold him into the shape we want. And the word, through the work of the Holy Spirit, is how he does that. Like Simon, we need to be careful not to get caught up in legalism or license. And there's so many things that fit in these two spaces. I think these are kind of a big heading over a whole lot of other things. We cannot allow ourselves to get caught up in legalism or license, whatever they look like, whatever the license looks like or the, or the legalism looks like. We need to be aware of these things. In Christ alone can we experience God's ultimate heart, which isn't legalism or license, but it's the true work of Jesus alone. It's spirit-empowered liberty. Galatians 5.1 says this, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't submit to the yoke of legalism. It will crush you. We cannot live by the rules we set in our own minds. We can't. We can't actually uphold them. The things we expect everybody else to live by, we we ourselves actually can't do it either, and it will crush us. And license will do the same, because neither one offers forgiveness. Neither one actually offers us true freedom. They pull us more and more into bondage, either to, to things or to rules. We have to submit to the work of Christ in order to have true freedom. So how does the Bible help us live like Jesus? The Bible leads me to see Jesus, and in seeing Jesus, I see myself in proper context. As we allow Jesus, as we read the Bible, I don't know how many times I've thought about the more, the more I read the Bible and the more I get to know who Jesus is, the more I'm challenged. The longer I'm in this, the longer I'm following Jesus, the more I see how far I am from who Jesus is in a way. He was so perfectly loving, so perfectly committed, so perfectly serving everybody, calm. He wasn't like tossed around by all the situations, stressed out, anxious. He just walked through all this stuff, allowing his father to lead him. And if I look at that, it helps me realize I don't have to live like that. I don't have to live anxious and stressed out and tossed around. I don't have to live stressed about what everybody else is doing and how everybody else is missing. I don't have to live under all this weight. Jesus didn't. He never lived under the weight of all the things we're living under. He experienced them. He didn't live under them. How awesome is that? There's a freedom in seeing who Jesus is and being able to follow him. It's hard. 
because it means we have to love differently and live differently, but there is such freedom in it. Living like Jesus, the scriptures are a sword against our common enemy. When we choose to live like Jesus, the word of God is our weapon. It's not just a legalistic bunch of rules. It's not just a license to do what we want. It's a weapon against the enemy of our souls. Living like Jesus is scriptured by the power of the Spirit, it brings conviction, but it won't condemn me. It'll come and show me the path. Conviction is beautiful. And I know it's not always fun, but I actually have grown to love the conviction of God because without it, I would have no clue where to go. I would get lost. It keeps me on the path, but it doesn't weigh me down like condemnation. There's freedom in it because I'm like, oh, I don't have to worry about, you know, God will show me where to go. I can just walk it. Forgiven in Christ, the scriptures bring or begin to renew my mind. They change how we see ourselves. They change how we see the world. Rooted in Christ, the scriptures continue to shape my affections. They will help us leave worldly things behind and walk towards godly things. Following Christ, the scriptures increasingly form my actions toward God, myself, and others. So in this, let's resist the inferior relief of legalism and license. And let's choose to submit ourselves instead to the Holy Spirit, to the liberty that we have in Christ, to the freedom that we have in him, and rest in the full freedom we will one day have when we inherit freedom from sin and death and the enemy, that these are no more an issue. Let's rest in knowing that that is our inheritance and that here we can live in that. So let's throw off legalism. Let's throw off license and live led by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray this morning. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you are absolutely, that you sent us this perfect, perfect example of how to live. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and showing us what living in freedom, but fully submitted to the Father, living, sacrificing ourselves, and fully loving each other looks like, and that there is such beauty in it. No one can deny, Jesus, that you were absolutely such an incredible example to us. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to walk in step with you. Help us to walk in step with you, leaving behind all worldliness, judgment, legalism, the things that bind us, and taking up our cross and following you daily because it is in that space that we find true freedom. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.